Oh, wow. Wow. I, I'm almost getting emotional right now. I, I got I to gotta hold back. Hold back right now. It's too, too real right now. Oh, man. I, and it's too real because I love this church. I love Luminous. I love San Antonio. I love every one of you beautiful people. Man, your faces, especially Keaton's face, bro. I mean, we have some good-looking guys out in West Texas, but we don't make them like Keaton out in West Texas, baby. <laughs> man, I love Luminous Church. We, man, it was a privilege to be here for those, for those two and a half years. Those were literally the best two and a half years of my life that I have experienced up to that point. And that is because that the Lord was here, and he got, I got to meet every one of you. And the Lord just kind of just blew open the gates of the relationships and the friendships in our life. And it's really, it became our family. Y'all became our family. And the thing is that's tough is that sometimes God takes you away from your family because he's called you to do some other things. But the thing is, is no matter where you go, your family is always your family. And you are always going to be our family. And so we love this church. And you are under the care of an incredible man, Ben Chapman, Pastor Ben. He's my pastor too, baby. And I cannot tell you, he is an incredible man. You could not be under the better care and leadership than Pastor Ben. He loves people so well. You know, and the thing is, is he has dreams. He has, he has passions, and he wants to be excellent. He wants Luminous Church every Sunday to blow the doors off. He wants you to come in and be like, this was the best experience of my life. But the thing that's cool about that is he also never gets bigger than the moment. And he's always going to be the guy who stops, and he loves, and he talks to every person. And he values you, and he loves you. And so he's just an incredible pastor. He's, you couldn't be in better hands if you're new here, and there are some new faces that I haven't seen before. This is a great place to call home. He's going to welcome you, and the people here are going to welcome you. And they're going to call you family, and they're going to pour into your life. It's incredible. My family's doing well. Uh, you know, Alaska and Bear are growing up. Uh, Alaska's going to start kindergarten next year. Crazy. She was two when we moved here. Now she's starting kindergarten. I'm going to blink. She's going to be getting married, and then I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry. Just like our boy Austin got married last night. Our boy became a man last night. <laughs> it is awesome. And Bear, you know, he's walking and he's running now. He loves to talk to people. He doesn't say very much. He just kind of goes, hi. And then he goes, bye. And uh, Jill, of course, is my jewel. My, she flourishes. She's amazing. God's used her to touch people, you know, everywhere she goes. She's just a deep well of love and joy and peace, and she turned 32 yesterday, so 32, hotter than ever. Yeah, baby. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's been good. It's been good. Mid Midland's been good because we're doing what the Lord's asked us to do, and it has hard moments. Jill's mother, um, you know, uh, is a reason we feel like the Lord asked us to move primarily to Midland, and because um, most of you know this, but she was diagnosed with a terminal brain injury, brain disease. And outside of the miraculous, miraculous power of God, um, which we believe can happen, we believe it, we're praying for it, it will take her life. And God has just called us to go and to honor her and to love her because she was a woman worthy of honor. She was an incredible woman. She is an incredible woman. She was so full of grace and love and joy. It's really who Jill is so much like. 
She got that from her mother. And she, her mother gave so much in her young days to her family, to her children. And so we get the opportunity to show Jesus in that situation and go in to honor her as she ends her life and goes into the kingdom. And that's something to be joyful of, no matter when it happens, whether he heals her and it happens in 30, 40 years from now, or whether it happens in a year from now. It is a celebration because she is a woman worthy of honor. And so that's what we're doing. It's been great. God's, God, it's not just that. It's not just hard times and sad times. God's also provided opportunities for us to, of course, continue the ministry, continue the work of the kingdom, mid-cities, um, the church that actually came, sent Pastor Ben to plant this church. They're still planting more churches. And so that's what I get to do. I get to do the things I love, which is start churches and see people take those steps from just kind of being on the sidelines, from being in the game, to use a sports analogy. They're in it, and they're seeing God move, and they take these steps, and they start taking hold of their faith and taking hold of the kingdom and seeing God move powerfully. So we're having launch team meetings for these new churches, and it's growing. It reminds me of the early days here in San Antonio when we had our launch team meetings. We've got 100 people already signed up to start this new church, and it's going to be awesome. God's going to use it to change lives and do some incredible things even at mid-cities so i love the opportunity that mid-cities kind of sent us as missionaries like that was jill and i's role we were church plant missionaries when we first came to luminous but now as y'all sent us out i'm always gonna be, we're always gonna be missionaries from luminous you know so i'm back in the hometown but i'm a missionary on behalf of luminous in midland y'all sent us back and we're doing the work. We're continuing on. And we just do that because we love y'all. We love the Lord. We love y'all. Y'all come with us wherever we go. You'll always be our family. And beyond that, I have a message to preach. <laughs> which is hard, you know, because all I want to do is talk. I want to hug. I want to, let's, let's catch up. But y'all are in a series that's called Just One More. And I like that, right? Because uh, we kind of lie to ourselves sometimes. And we think, oh, it's just one more not going to be bad. Just one more pastry. Just one more episode of, you know, whatever people are watching these days on Netflix, you know, and then, oh, snap, it's 3 a.m. and I got to work at 5. <laughs> but sometimes these things that we think are harmless, they start to pile up on us and then, oh my goodness, this is not a good thing anymore. And that's what this verse, this, this sermon series is about. And we highlighted that fact with 1 John 2, 15 through 17. And I'm going to reiterate that right now. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Pray with me. Lord, just thank you so much for this day, Lord God, that it is blessed. Lord, that this is a place, um, because two or more gathered, that you're here with us. And we Lord, we, Lord, we just ask that you would speak to us. Lord God, that we would receive your word well. Lord God, that you would do a transformative work in our hearts. Lord, that as we leave today, we would be look more like Jesus than we did coming into this place. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Here in a few seconds, we're going to be reading in Luke.
Luke chapter 18. So if you go ahead and turn there for me, um, that would be awesome. So this verse, the first thing that comes to my mind when I, not the first thing, but one of the things that popped into my mind as I was like, like kind of meditating on 1 John is a warning. That this verse is a warning. And the thing is, is at first I was like, oh man, I can't really say that because people don't like warnings. Usually when someone warns us of something, the first thing we do is we start kind of bow up. We're like, that's not, don't you say that about me. You can't do that. And the thing, and I started wondering why that is, because most of the time a warning is a good thing. But we don't take it as a good thing. And I think the fact, the reason we do that is because we confuse warnings with threats. And a threat, of course, is where someone's coming to you and they're trying to manipulate you and force you into doing something. Or they're, and if you don't, then they're going to do something bad to you, right? Well, a warning is not that. A warning is where someone who cares about you sees you're doing something that could potentially cause you harm, and they're saying, look out. Watch out. Stop. And even then, sometimes we get upset. But that's what this verse is. It's a warning, right? And the Lord is telling us, the Lord is speaking through John here, and he's telling us about the fact, a fact that this world is passing away, that it is a sinking ship. And if we find ourselves in it, if we put our love into this thing, we will be disappointed. And not only be disappointed, but we'll find ourselves sinking with the ship. And he's basically saying, look out. Get off that thing. And the thing that's hard is it's kind of confusing, right? Because John, the person who wrote this verse, he also has another famous verse. John 3.16, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And so then you're like, what? This is confusing. God can love the world, but I can't love the world. But what he's talking about here is that God loved the people, his creation. He loved his people, right? And what John's talking about right here is he's talking about loving the things in the, of the world and in the world, meaning like success, status, relationships over God, you know, um, wanting to be viewed certain ways, greed, all these kind of things, putting ourselves first, putting our, our love into the things that are passing away. doesn't matter how much money you make, that will pass away. And if you find your identity in that, you will be disappointed. So this is a warning. He's saying, come on, get off that ship. It's not going to end well. And so today we're talking about the pride piece because the thing is, is in this verse, he kind of knows that we need some like kind of signs pointing us in the right direction. So we want to know whether we're on this ship or not that's sinking. So he kind of tells you, you know, if you're, if you're putting a lot of your energy into the desires of the flesh, that's going to tell you that you, you kind of love this world. You put your eyes, your desire of the eyes, if you're putting your energy into that, you know, if you're putting your hope into the desires, of, or you even just crave those things, that is a love of the world. And Pastor Ben has talked about both of those in the previous weeks, and today he's left it pride of life to me, which is probably not an accident, because Ben knows that I grow, me growing up, I was about the most prideful person you could have ever met, and he had to suffer through it for like 10 or 12 years, you know, I was basically, he, you know, I was, now see, the thing that's about pride that's funny is you, you think that you're the greatest thing to ever walk on the face of this earth. But you're also usually aware of it. If you're smart, you're smart. You're aware of that fact, so you try to hide it. But you're really just fooling yourself. 
everyone can see right through you. And so I'm sitting there, and he's having to deal with me as I just think I'm so much better than everybody else. And so here I am. I'm talking about it. I'm an expert in pride, which then I said this earlier. Can you be prideful about being knowing about pride? Can you be prideful about expert in pride? I don't know, but if you can, that's me. Just to kind of give you an idea, just to show you the level of pride that I was working with, I'm going to share something. I'm going to be transparent. <laughs> In high school, my brother started snowboarding. And most of you know my brother. He served here at Luminous for two years. He was a worship leader, incredibly talented. I mean, far better looking than me, far better dressed, far more talented. And he started snowboarding. I was in college at this point. You know, normally college, once you're in college, you're like, I don't care about the high school guys. Well, I'm in college. Well, my brother starts snowboarding, and he's like a natural. Loves the snowboard. He loves the snow. He gets on his snowboard, and he's flying down the mountain. He's doing double diamonds already. He's jumping on pipes and doing tricks and all this stuff. And people are like, Tyler's incredible. Tyler's a natural-born snowboarder. I'm like, oh, that's great. That's great. But really, I'm like thinking, I'm going to be better. <laughs> Here we go. Just you wait, people. I'm going to the mountains, and I'm going to be better. And the thing that was crazy about it is it wasn't even that I wanted to just go to the mountains and be in, like, through force of will and work be better. I wanted people to recognize that I had more natural talent. I didn't even have to work for it. I'm just a better snowboarder. I was born a better snowboarder than Tyler. Uh, I, I, bet, I don't even have to tell you. I don't have to bore you with the facts of you know how that turned out. Because <laughs> really, it just would puff me up more. Because you know I was a better person. <laughs> no, no, no. I crashed and then had a horrible injury for ten years. <laughs> Not that I was punished for that. It's just just showing you how much how much gap there was between me and Tyler. But that's my level of pride. My poor brother, more than anyone, had to deal with it than anybody because I wanted to show everyone that I was the greatest thing that ever walked on this earth. And I would value, of course I wanted to be great at the things that I valued, but my pride was so much that if you valued it and I found out that you valued it, then I wanted you to know that I was better at than that thing than you are. Until you realized it, and then I didn't care about it anymore. That's pride. So, my goal today is to talk about the dangers of pride. Because the thing is, is that pride can also be confusing. We kind of know that pride's bad, but we kind of fixate on this idea that pride's bad because it's unattractive. You know, when you see someone who's prideful, like me, you're like, ooh, that guy's not, I don't really like that guy. So most of my, like, focus on trying to not be prideful growing up is like, I knew that, that that's not a real attractive quality, and I wanted people to think I was amazing, so I'd like try to push the pride down, which is really just more pride, right? But the thing is, is that pride is so much more than unattractive. Pride is sin. It's evil. And the Bible talks about that God hates pride. And so if we want to be in God's presence, if we want to be loved by God, we need to be aware of these things because I don't want anything in my life that God hates because God is good. And I want to get rid of those things. So my goal today is just to kind of reveal to you all of my flaws growing up and my struggles of trying to overcome pride 
And so you can see how bad pride really is. Because pride is sneaky. We don't really, sometimes we get so deceived by it, we don't even know that it's going on. And it takes on all these different forms. Pride can be, um, of course, pride can be self-absorption. That's a form of pride. Ambition can be pride. Competitiveness can be pride. All these different things, and they masquerade as these different things. And, And in America especially, we take this idea of pride, and we do not do a gospel idea of pride in America. It's all about, it's all on you. And man, you picked yourself up out of the dirt and you made something of yourself. That's the American dream. That's not the gospel. It's not. That's pride. And that's self. You taking the lordship of your own life. And that's not what God's about. So bear with me as I kind of go through my dirty laundry list of all the things in my life. But it's going to be fun. Because we're talking about me right now. You know, and I'm prideful. Luke 18. Luke 18, starting on verse 9. This is Jesus. He said, talking about a parable, he said, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were, they were righteous, which was me, and treated others with contempt. That was me. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, This man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Be exalted. And this brings me to my first realization in my life with pride, is that pride will not make you great. It will not make you great. It cannot make you great. And just like this Pharisee, he had so many things, right? He was, he was one of the society's elite. And if, if we were just normal people looking, we're not looking through the eyes of Jesus, and we're just seeing him, we're thinking, man, that's a great man. That guy's impressive. Look what he gives away so much. He fasts all the time. He knows the scriptures so well. And yet, it was of no value, right? It, he did not make him great in God's eyes. It made him small. And he didn't walk away that day as he prayed to the Lord. He wasn't heard. And he wasn't justified. He wasn't forgiven his sins. He was actually, he remained in his sin because of that pride. Pride cannot make you great. And the thing is, is I started this journey 10 years ago when God first started telling me, Gaetan, you are arrogant. And you need to humble yourself. And so I did the only thing I knew how to do. I started praying, Lord, help me. Humble me. And the thing is, is I could have been humbled immediately if I just humbled myself. But I was so trapped in pride, I couldn't even do that. So my only hope is I just said, Lord, help me. Help me. And I couldn't give up my pride. And the reason I couldn't give up my pride is I still believed the lie that pride was what made me great. Which means I didn't know what the Lord said. I didn't know that he called me a son. I didn't believe that he loved me for who I was and not what I did or my positions, or how other people viewed me. 
I thought that it was all about that, that I had to distinguish myself from other people in order to be loved and valued by God. I didn't understand the reality of the gospel that God had already, he already valued me just as I was because he loved me and he made me unique and in his image, just like he's made every single one of you. So I couldn't give up my pride because I didn't understand the gospel. Because I thought it's what made me great. If I didn't value myself, then God couldn't value me. And you hear this stuff. You hear this language all the time in life, right? Well, you've got to love yourself. And the thing that's crazy, too, is pride's just, pride's just fool's gold. You hold on to it, and you think it has value. You find it, and you're like, oh, yeah, this is great. This is it. This is value. And you're really holding trash. It's fool's gold. And it, pride makes fools of us all. And the other crazy thing is that pride corrupts every good thing you do. It pollutes it. So you look at the tax collector, right? In the back, in just, in just the standard, like looking at the, the, the way he lived his life, he did a lot of good things, great things. But because he did it out of pride, it was worthless in God's eyes. And the thing is, is if you can be the greatest Christian outside of Jesus that's ever walked this earth, you can lead thousands of people to the Lord by sharing your faith. You could raise 10 people from the dead. You could cause 100 people to step out of their wheelchairs and walk. But if you do it out of pride, it's worthless. It corrupts it. Now, that doesn't mean that it's not valuable to that person that experienced it. Because it really is, is you didn't do anything to begin with. It was the Lord the whole time. And God did an amazing miracle in that person's life. But as far as when you stand before God at the end of your life and you start saying, well, Lord, look, look what I did, that it will be of no value to you. And he'll say, it's getting burned up because it was pride. So another thing, pride corrupts and pollutes the great things that are in you to do because you misplace the value. In this verse in 1 John 2, when he talks about the pride of life, the word in Greek that they use is most closely like similar in English to the word braggart, which is a kind of like an old English word. We don't, I don't remember the last time I used braggart in a sentence. But braggart is basically, there was this guy, this Greek philosopher, and he did this whole big book on like character studies. And so he looked at different types of people and, you know, like the thief or the braggart. And he would write out this, this like character study talking about who they are. So he did this one on the braggart. And the braggart he described as this man who lived on a hill looking out over the ocean at all the Greek navy and the ships and the merchants. And he's sitting up there and he's pointed at all of them. He's like, look at my navy. Look at my ships, all of my ships. And he's talking about his incredible house that he's building and all these incredible parties he's going to throw. And the, the best people in the world are going to be at my party. And he's lying. People are like, bro, you don't own any of those ships. And I've seen where you live. It's a shack. But that's what the braggart did, is he's become so consumed with himself that he's lost reality, lost grips of reality. He can't, he's deceived himself. And he really stands up there boasting of all of his accomplishments when they're nothing. And he has nothing. That's what the braggart is. Which brought me to my next point about pride, is pride deceives you. Pride will deceive you. Obadiah 1.3 reiterates this. He says, 
The pride of your heart deceives you. And the thing is, we've all seen braggarts in life, and most of them are on social media. Am I right? I mean, who, who here makes it their practice to be real on Instagram? I mean, I don't know about you. Most of my last pictures, I'm on like top of a mountain, or I just got my new clothes on. I don't remember the last time I got up and rolled out of bed with drool on my face, and I'm holding bear, and he's blown out of his diaper, and, and I'm like, check it, life. Mm-mm. No, what am I showing on social media most of the time? The best possible version of me. And probably not even a version that really exists. Because you look through my feed or you look on my Facebook and you start seeing this guy, oh man, he's, he's living life. He's living the adventure. And you don't see anything about the times where Jill asks me to clean the dishes and I get angry about it. <laughs> I had last time, I, don't, I didn't put that, hashtag real life. But that's what pride does, right, is we start living this life. And especially on social media, we start living this braggart life. And we start looking at our life, and we start pointing at the things that, are, that maybe we possess, like our gifts, and our talents, our abilities. And we start saying they're mine. I got them. But really, you don't have them at all because they were given to you. Just like OJ talked about, about giving, right, is the things that we have, we didn't earn. God gave it to us. And we start living our life, and we start living in deceit and looking at all these things and saying, look, look what I did, look what I did, look what I did, and we're, we've lost grip on reality. And Proverbs 21.4 reiterates this. It says, haughty eyes and a proud heart, the lamp of the wicked are sin. The lamp of the wicked. What that means is, is in the old days, in the Bible, in, you know, in the New Testament, people didn't have electricity. So at night, they needed an oil lamp. And they needed it to be able to see, to see where they were going so they don't run into stuff. In, in the Bible, when we talk about lamps, it's how you view the world. It's how you see it. So what the scripture is saying here is when you're prideful, it colors everything you see. And it lies to you. And you see the world through this one lens. And it's self-absorbed. And you start to deceive yourself. And you become deceived. And you become the braggart. Because that's what we are. When we have pride, we become the braggart. And we start thinking more of ourselves than what's reality. How many of you remember the Titanic movie? Mm, love me some Leo. <laughs> flying, flying on the edge of that ship. Man, that was a cultural phenomenon when I was a kid. Actually, I'm lying. I did not love that movie. I hated that movie when I was a kid. Because I was like in seventh grade and every girl was talking about it. It's like walking to Blockbuster to rent a movie and all you see is just rows and rows and rows of the Titanic and it's just like Celine Dion nonstop on the radio and it's just that song, my heart will go on forever. This song never ends. <laughs> the people were crazy about that movie. But the crazy thing about the Titanic is when it was actually built, it was just as big of a cultural, a cultural phenomenon. People were going crazy for this shit. I mean, because the thing was, is it was the biggest ship anyone had ever seen. It was this feat of technology. People were like, oh my goodness, this, this boat's incredible. It was filled with all the best stuff, the best furniture. The crazy thing is, is people are still obsessed with this boat. The other day, when I was still living here in San Antonio, Jill and I went to go buy a mattress. 
And there was this crazy expensive mattress there. It was like $12,000 for a twin, okay? Like crazy expensive. And it was a spring mattress. And he goes, I'm like, what's the big deal with this mattress? He goes, let me tell you. This was the mattress on the Titanic. I'm like, was it really? They found this in the bottom of the ocean? Because if they did, I don't want to sleep on it. He goes, oh, no, no, no. It's just the same brand, same structure. But the thing is, is people are still obsessed with the Titanic. And the crazy thing is people were then, too. It was, a, it was amazing, right? It was like mankind was obsessed with our greatness when we built this ship. And they started interviewing people. And they, they interviewed this one guy who's a deckhand. And a deckhand's like the lowest of the low. Like, they're the people that, like, when somebody gets sick on the side of the boat, they got to go clean it up, right? Like, he's not the captain. He's not the guy, the architect or whatever, you, whoever it is that builds ships. I don't know what the name of it is, but, you know, he's not that guy. And they asked him, what do you think of this ship? And the deckhand's like, man, this ship's incredible. And he was quoted saying this, God himself could not sink this ship. Let's just turn real quick. Proverbs 16, 18. I'm just going to read this for you right here. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. <laughs> Which, this is the, the biggest and most important thing that I've realized with pride is pride kills. Pride kills. And pride kills other people. You can harm others with your pride. And mostly you harm yourself. And that's what pride did with the Titanic, right? Is they were so prideful that they couldn't even, they, they, were, they said, this ship can't be sunk. And so they, made, they were deceived. They're looking through the lens, the lamp of pride. And so they do stupid things. And they find themselves sailing through the North Arctic waters where there's icebergs. They're like, it can't be, it can't be sunk. And what happens? They hit an iceberg. And then, even then, they still don't panic. They're thinking, oh, it can't sink. It'll take care of itself. And the crazy thing is, is something as low and as humble as water, like the water you drink in your glass or the water that's in this baptismal, sunk that ship because it started filling up and overwhelmed. And the greatest feat at the time of human technology sunk because of lowly water. And the thing that, a perfect example too, is they had so much pride that the ship would be unsinkable. They didn't even put enough safety boats on. And hundreds died because of pride. And it's not just that deckhand's pride. It was the pride of man. Because we thought more highly of ourselves. Pride kills. It will kill you. Because the thing is, is that prideful people don't need help. They don't need saving. Prideful people don't need God. And how, how foolish can we be? Because the fact is, is God never designed you and me to be fully functional on our own. That's a lie. From the very beginning, the Garden of Eden, God made us to be in a communal relationship with him, totally dependent. Totally dependent. But that's not what we believe. We want to be on our own. We want to have our life in our own hands, but that is not something that God made us to do, and it will ultimately lead to our destruction. And this is an intense message, because this is a big-time warning. This is a message where God, well, this is a 
verse where God's saying, warning, do I have your attention? You need me. Prideful people don't need people. They don't need someone because if they let them in, they're vulnerable and they're insecure. I'm hoping that this is something that's been pricking your heart, that the Lord's been moving, you know, that it's something where you're asking yourself, man, I feel the Lord moving right now. And this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity to heed the warning. Joshua, we can all stand up here. Heed the warning. Don't be like me. It was a long, long process for humility for me. Why? Because I wasn't willing to humble myself in the moment. Humility can come in a moment. If you just step up and say, Lord, I need you. But I was so imprisoned by pride that I couldn't even do that. So I had to do the only thing I could, which was in, my, in the secret place, in my prayer time, in my room, I'd say, Lord, humble me. And I went through this long process of freedom before I had it. But you can stand up now. You don't have to wait. You don't have to do the long road. You can say, I'm going to and do what the Bible says, humble thyself in the presence of God. And you can stand up and you can say, I want to be humbled. I want the freedom that comes in with the Lord. <laughs> and I recognize that I can't take care of myself. I can't be the savior of my own life. And I'm attached myself to this ship that's sinking. That's this world. Just like the Titanic. It's doomed. It will sink. And if you put your hope and your satisfaction and your value into this world, it will disappoint you. And it could end in your destruction. Because there's only one who saves, and that's Jesus. And the beautiful thing is the word says that his arm is never too short to save. So no matter where you find yourself, whether it's that you were incredibly prideful like me, or maybe you're a person who's addicted to the cravings of the flesh or the cravings of the eyes, his arm is not too short to save. So what do we do? First Peter 5, 6 through 9 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. He cares for you. Cast your anxieties on him. Another one we didn't even touch on today is fear. Most, a lot of us are driven by fear and anxiety. We don't know that we can trust God. Cast it on him and watch as he holds you. And I'm going to ask you in a moment to stand up if pride is something that rocks your life. And most of you, some of you who are prideful like me, because if I was in your shoes five, six, seven years ago, I wouldn't have stood up. I would have convinced myself because I was deceived that I didn't need it. Because I didn't want to be humble. I didn't want to be exposed. Because I was still prideful and I was unwilling to stand up. And that may be you. Don't wait. Stand up and receive freedom of walking in relationship with God, walking in the knowledge that it's not up to me, but it's up to him. So if that's you, if you struggle with pride, stand up right now. If it's something you recognize, stand up. Don't wait. Don't wait. If there's something else in your life, maybe not even pride, Maybe it's not 
you know, the eyes of the, the, the cravings of the eyes, the craving of, cravings of the flesh, but it's something else. And you know, you know that there's part of your heart that's being withheld from God. I want you to stand up, to be restored with him. Thank you. Yes. All right. Anyone else? This isn't a, this isn't a moment to sit on the sidewalk. The rest of you would join me standing as we pray with with everyone. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for what it is that you do, Lord, that you are God and we are not, that you are great, and it's only through you that we become great. Lord, thank you that you came and you stepped out of the eternal, out of your throne, off of your throne, and you laid it all down to rescue us in our sin, in our darkness, in our dirtiness, in our wickedness. Lord, you loved us enough to lower yourself to be with us. Lord, you are worthy of all praise and all honor. Lord, I pray for those of us who've stood up, those of us who recognize the the evil of pride. Lord God, and I just pray that as they took the boldness and the, the courage and the humility to stand before men and say, yes, that's me. Lord, that your Holy Spirit, Lord, would come, Lord God, and reveal to them that their value is not in themselves, but their value is in you. Lord, I just pray that those of us that are far from you, Lord God, would be drawn by your Spirit. Lord, you would draw their hearts, Lord God, that they would not wait another moment to give themselves to you, Father. Lord, we need you. Lord, we we want to be carriers of the light of you the love of you, Lord God. Let us be a people who proclaim the gospel, Lord, in San Antonio, that San Antonio would be forever changed by the blood and the love of Jesus Christ, Lord God, that the people of Luminous would overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Lord God, I just pray for opportunities, divine appointments for the people of Luminous, Lord God, to impact their city. Lord God, that this work would not be, is not done And there's much more to do, Lord God. Let us be a people who love and love well. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.